Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jeb Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, as always, surprising you with new topics every week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC news. And we have lots of UFC news today as we will be recapping UFC 291. It was amazing. It went down this past Saturday. I had so much fun. I was out of my seat. I was screaming. UFC 291, definitely top five, maybe top three pay-per-views of the year. Very excited to talk about that. Some new fights that were announced. Um, We'll be talking about Barbie. That is right. I saw Barbie on Saturday, so I'll be giving a review of that. It was very good. I have not stopped listening to I'm Just Ken by uh, Ryan Gosling or Push, cover of Push. The Matchbox 20 song. So fire. Loved both of those. Um, And we'll also be going over how to get into UFC for some new fans. Because I was a new fan. Not but three years ago. So going to give a little advice on that. But without a doubt, let's dive in. To the podcast, some unfortunate news. My Montauk Project conspiracy theory. Which is like the conspiracy theory that, if you want to call it that. I mean, it was a real thing that Stranger Things was based off of. I was going to talk about that, but the website I was going to use, which had all the facts, it just won't load. I tried loading it at home, at the freaking library. I was trying to load it all over the place, even at my, even at other people's houses, and it just wasn't working. It was just glitching my computer. Nothing was working, so I will unfortunately not be talking about that. I mean, it was, it was basically about how the U.S. military had an alleged mind control program with children, so directly from the uh, Stranger Things perspective. So it made me pretty sad. I'm not going to be able to talk about that. We'll try for the future, though. We're not going to completely write it off. But as for now, no Montauk Project segment. So sad that is uh, going to have to be cut. But we do have some, uh, speaking of um, time travel, if you want to even segue into that, Loki Season 2. That's right, the MCU show Loki will be returning for the second season on October 6th. Very much looking forward to that. The first season, in my opinion, is the best MCU TV series. And I was also thinking about going through and ranking every Marvel TV series and movie for a show. So stay tuned for that. We might be working on that. But as for uh, Secret Wars, I've watched episode one semi a while ago. And I'm kind of like halfway through episode two, but I've been skimming. So I really got to finish Secret Wars because I've heard mixed reviews and I got to give my review on it. But very excited for Loki, ready to see uh, Tom Middleston, uh, Hilston, um, Owen Wilson back. Lo- love those two actors and just the dynamic they have for their characters. Between oh, I forgot Owen Wilson's guy's name from the TVA, his agent name. Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to go back and watch it, but I've rewatched Loki the uh, first season twice now and after that Ant-Man post-credit Ant-Man Quantumania that is post-credit scene where they were in it trying to find out who Kang is like all about Kang I mean it's got me even more excited so I will without a doubt be watching that segueing into reality TV as it is we have the Ultimate Fighter episode 10 tonight Brad Katona and Timur Belev will do battle I'll be sure to recap that so that'll actually be airing in about three hours, so you'll probably know the results after this podcast airs. But yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, pfft, Team McGregor all the way. You know, I'm, you know I'm Team McGregor, man. As much as I want to hate McGregor, you can't help but love him. 
And now he could potentially be taking on Justin Gaethje. We'll be getting to that later on. Because uh, I don't know what's next for Justin, if I'm being honest. Because Justin was writing off McGregor, but now that he's got the BMF belt, now that he's going to make some money if he fights McGregor, headline another pay-per-view, might be the move for Justin Gaethje. But we'll see. Before we talk about uh, UFC 291 or Barbie, we actually have... Two new fights that I want to bring up that were recently announced by the UFC. They are in the middleweight, I mean, sorry, not middleweight, the light heavyweight and bantamweight divisions. That's right, some ranked fighters. As Magomed Ankalaev will be taking on Johnny Walker at UFC 294. If no one knows, Magomed Ankalaev is ranked number two at light heavyweight, and Johnny Walker is ranked seventh. Both very, very talented. Magomed's on like a 10-fight unbeaten streak. I believe Johnny Walker's stringed together three straight wins, I believe. And these are two very exciting fighters. The winner will be fighting for the belt. Maybe not next, but they'll be fighting the winner of whoever fights next for the belt, which I assume will be Jerry Prochaska and Alex Pejera. So very much looking forward to that. And UFC 294 is slowly coming together. I mean... 294 already has, like, what you could consider a main card. I mean, you got Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira, the rematch. I will dye my hair if Charles Oliveira pulls off the upset. You got Paulo Costa and Hamza Chemaev. I mean, it's Hamza Chemaev. The, ne- the next big star in the UFC, taking on a guy in Paulo Costa who loves to talk trash, always down to scrap. You also have up-and-comers Nazardine Imovov and Ikram Alkserov at middleweight, a very good scrap there. You now have Magomed versus Walker, which will, is the third best fight on this card. And you also have Mohamed Mokayev taking on Tim Elliott. That is going to be very good. If no one knows who Mohamed, Mohamed Mokayev is, he's an undefeated flyweight, uh, one of the Dagestani wrestler-style fighters. Take on a veteran, Tim Elliott, who is not an easy gatekeeper to take out. So, looking forward to that fight. As for the bantamweight fight I was mentioning, number 14-ranked Adrian Yanez and number 13-ranked Jonathan Martinez will be fighting at the October 14th card. No one knows what that main event is or where it's at, but those two are fighting. Jonathan coming off a big win over Saeed Nurmagomedov and Adrian Yanez coming off a loss to Rob Font, who actually fights this weekend. So, a very good scrap there. Two up-and-comers. Keep your eyes out for that one whenever it goes down. But yeah, uh, UFC Nashville will be going down this upcoming Saturday. The main event is Corey Sanhagen versus Rob Font. Without a doubt, we'll be watching that f- uh, whole card. We'll be dropping a review before Saturday. So, stay tuned for that. Episode 11. This is episode 10. I cannot believe I'm already on episode 10. It wasn't but a month ago I started this and had no aspirations. I'd even stay with it. So I'm very happy to keep putting out these episodes and hoping people listen and take something surprising away. I hope you do. But yeah, staying on the topic of UFC, the rankings did update. We have some notable changes. Uh, Alex Pajera is now tied for 10th on the men's pound-for-pound list. Justin Gaethje takes Dustin Poirier's spot at number 13, as he should the new BMF champion, which I think they should add a little BMF logo next to his ranking name, but that's just me. Uh, he also passes Poirier on the lightweight rankings. He's now ranked number two. Poirier down to three. We'll mention what's next for him. At welterweight, Sean Brady now down to nine. I believe he was tied with Jeff Neal at eight, but he is now Kevin Holland, now ranked at number 12. 
Ian Gary now up to 13. Jack Della Madalena down to 14. Michael Chiesa does stay on the rankings at 15 as we give Michelle Pajera the boot, as we should. Shame on Michelle Pajera for missing weight. Him and Wonderboy would have put on an excellent fight. And then with Alex Pajera's victory, he leaves the middleweight division, so everyone gets bumped up a spot, and Andre Munez returns back at 15. So that's all you got at middleweight, but Andre Munez will probably be fighting an unranked contender in his next fight. And as for uh, light heavyweight, Alex Pajera debuts at the number three spot over Jan Belhovich. Everyone else moves down a spot. Except for Khalil Roundtree, who drops two spots as Dominic Reyes remains at 12. I still think if Khalil Roundtree beats Chris Dawkins, that he should fight Dominic Reyes. But poor Dominic Reyes, such a sad fall off. Um, at heavyweight, Sergei Spivak, now ranked number 7 as he passes Volkov at 8. I assume that is they're trying to beef up Spivak. As many rankings as you can sneak him up before his fight against Shogun. That's my only guess, and... That's all the rankings updates. That's all the new fights they've announced in the last few days. I know um, for this upcoming card, I believe Sean Woodson is fighting on it. And he has already had four opponent. This will be his fourth opponent change this weekend. I don't even know who he's fighting. He was originally supposed to fight like, was it Jesse Butler? I don't even think it was Jesse Butler. I don't know who it was, but Sean Woodson's been floating around. We'll have to talk about that when it goes down. Before we get into UFC 291, we have got to talk about Barbie. That is right. I saw Barbie this weekend, and I was hearing all these things like it's such a woke feminist film. They just hate men and all this stuff. But I'm going to be honest. Did, did they kind of talk about the patriarchy and how it would be better if women ruled the world in Barbie land? They did. But, I mean, do women get harassed? Yes, they do. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They, they might have over-dramatized over it at times in the movie, but they're not wrong. Do men rule the world? Yes, rich white men rule the world. At the Rothschilds, at the Rockefellers, at Bill Gates. I mean, not to hopefully get canceled, but I'm just saying, they, they do. They do. And I was able to look back, all, look back, look past all the political stuff and just enjoy the fun that the movie was. It had terrible humor. I was laughing. It was my type of humor. Ryan Gosling, actually my hero, on our next episode, we're actually going to be ranking the top 10 Ryan Gosling movies. I was going to do it on this episode, but I did have kind of a bit to cover. And we're actually in the process of moving from Buzzsprout to RSS. So stay tuned for that announcement. We're trying to, trying to get a cheaper upload price. So stay tuned for that. But I was just, I was so happy with this movie. I mean, Simu Lee was awesome. Margot Robbie. I mean, Margot Robbie. Who doesn't love Margot Robbie? Um, I do have some complaints about the movie, but I think my positives outweigh my negatives. And I will try not to get too canceled with uh, some of my comments. But official ranking. Everyone, get out your notepads. Write down your official rankings. Come with me. Three, two, one, eight point three. Out of 10. That is right. I give it 0.4 spots higher than Oppenheimer. Now, don't get me wrong. Oppenheimer, definitely more movie, like typical cinema movie, is obviously better. All right. It has a much better, probably more big name cast. They both have amazing casts. But it's without doubt better. But this is for me. For me, Percy Oppenheimer got a 7.9. Barbie gets an 8.3. 
And let me tell you something. Oppenheimer had some cool quotes. But I have been singing all the songs from the Barbie movie so much. I mean, we were talking about the songs by Ryan Gosling. I mean, I want to push you around and I will and I will. Oh, my gosh. Cannot get that on my head. Also, I'm just kidding. Anywhere else I'd be. I mean, I'm just singing it right now. I mean, it's so good. They're such good songs. You had the Nicki Minaj and uh, Ice Spice song. I mean, I was even hearing that. The Dua Lipa song. I mean, even I'm not a Lizzo fan in the slightest. And even her Pink song, when it was playing in the beginning of the movie, was pretty decent. So, so the songs were just off the charts. And I mean, my favorite character in the movie, even though he was technically the villain, was Ken. I mean, I just could not get enough of Ryan Gosling. He's so entertaining. Ryan Gosling is just such a good actor. I'm, I'm yet to be disappointed by him in a movie. He, he is so good. And his humor in this movie, how he was acting kind of like the dumb blonde guy of sorts. He was a beach kid, so he was supposed to just be all about surfing. And just his arc throughout the movie. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like his arc, but the fact that he does, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, um, doesn't end up with Barbie at the end was very interesting. And how she was talking about that. It's not Barbie and Ken. It's Barbie and it's Ken. So Ken has to now go find his own way in life. And that could lead to some spinoff films. Maybe a sequel in a couple of years just called Ken. I would definitely pay to watch that. Favorite scene of the whole movie? Definitely the fight scene between the Kens. That's when they were all singing and dancing. It was just so goofy. You even had Will, Fer- Will Ferrell's character was so funny. He was supposed to be this giant executive. And he appeared during the fight scene. And just... Just you have to watch the movie to just understand the just outrageous humor. Like l- logic-wise, it makes no sense traveling from Barbie Land to the real world. I mean, it, logically, you just have to throw all logic. Like even movie logic just didn't even make sense here. But it was so much fun. The one-liners just. There's this one scene where uh, America Farah is that her name America Farah. Oh, she's from uh, Superstore. That actress, she's one of the main leads in this, and there's a she works for Will Ferrell's company, and she like she says something to him like one of the Barbies like says like go speak to him, and Will Ferrell says like come speak to me daughter or like something goofy like that. And I thought it was hilarious, and even my theater I heard some chuckles. I mean I kept looking over at my girlfriend like she wasn't laughing as hard as I was, but the the dry humor, the bad humor is so good to me. And this movie is definitely going to win costume design. I mean, I'm trying to dress as Ken with that Sylvester Stallone. I mean, fur coat. He had the glasses, the headband. I was loving that. Cowboy, Margot Robbie, and um, Ryan Gosling. Their outfits were amazing. All the Barbies had on such great outfits. Definitely winning production design of the year. Has anyone seen Sex Education on Netflix? Very popular show. I love that show. So many actors and actresses from this film. Literally pretty much everyone except for Otis was in this film. I mean, you had his one uh, gay black friend. You had his crush. Uh, was it Maeve? I haven't, I haven't seen it in so long. I can't, remember, I can't believe I don't remember the names. Adam. That was his name. Adam was in it. He was one of the main guys. Um, I know someone else. I can't recall. They had a lot of good actors in this film. Most notably, Simu Lee. Shang-Chi, if no one knows. I love Shang-Chi. I can't believe some people hate on Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is such an amazing movie. And I love Simu Lee. He's going to be one of the leads of the new generation of the MCU. And I'm all here for it. And I actually, this is a fun fact for the movie. This movie set the box office record for a film 
that is not a sequel, remake, or superhero movie opening weekend, which is just incredible. Like, I understand, like, this is a Mattel. Like, they're doing some... Some people were complaining that this was, like, one giant, um, like, marketing advertisement for Barbie, but I didn't feel like that at all. I think thought they were making funny jokes. They even had the original creator of Barbie in the movie, which was, like, the ending scene. Almost like the Albert Einstein of uh, Oppenheimer of sorts. And just the fact that this movie was able to outperform Oppenheimer is just insane. And it was, it's its own film. Like, you have the toy, but it's its own thing. And it almost throws the toy stereotype of what beauty is out the film. I mean, I, I won't, not, not to get myself canceled, but I mean, they've always had different color Barbies, but they're poking fun at a pregnant Barbie. They had a fat Barbie. They had a transgender Barbie. And obviously, they're all supposed to just be Barbie, like no one sees that. But we, we as the audience notice that. And it's just sh- kind of showing that, like, this stereotype that Barbie's a skinny blonde girl is not the same anymore. It's The film kind of brings out that you can be whatever you want to be. And that's what kind of makes it so good. And I almost... It was having me think about Oppenheimer, about the meaning of the movie. And when I was thinking back to Oppenheimer, it was kind of how Oppenheimer's whole perspective changed about the bomb. The more, like... In the aftermath, he was starting to think about it, how it was like, maybe we should have dropped down the Nazis. Maybe I shouldn't have created this at all. And just the hidden underlying meanings of the movies I'm able to catch. I understand this could just be a movie meant to distract me from all the real-world problems. It probably is. It probably is woke propaganda. I'm definitely a liberal now. That is definitely what happened after this movie, without a doubt. No, I'm just playing. But I will say, one of my favorite uh, actors... <laughs> Was, oh my gosh, I cannot remember his name, but it's whoever plays Alan. He's in so many movies. He was in Superbad. He was in This Is The End. Oh, I cannot remember his name, but he was, Alan was so funny in this movie. But yeah, I'm able to put aside all woke stuff, all my jokes aside about being a liberal and stuff. I'm able to appreciate this movie for just the goofiness it is. So Barbie, you get an 8.3 out of 10. Will everyone agree? Probably not. But that's why everyone has entitled to their own beliefs. Alright, because if we didn't have our own beliefs, everyone would believe the same thing. And we'd be a pretty dull society. So that's all there is. For Barbie. Very good. Uh, is it my favorite movie of the year? I don't know. Probably Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I've seen that. Um, this might be my number two. And then I can't remember my third. I'll have to go back through the year and see. remember all the movies I saw. But certainly up there. Loved Barbie. And I was going to... Post a pic on the Insta of me in a pink headband and a pink shirt. But I think I left it at my uh, apartment at college. So, unfortunately, I went off that. But I will be going back to college. I go to the University of Minnesota State in Mankato. I will be going back August 20th. So, we will maybe try and set up a studio down there to film. We'll also have better Wi-Fi. Maybe try and produce some longer episodes. Even more episodes. So, we're going to try and expand this thing. Really go... Uh, Really go all out with it, because I've really been enjoying the podcast. And it gives me something other to do than just play video games or watch a show. So, very much looking forward to that. Next week, next episode, surprising topic, might be processed foods, as a spoiler. I've been kind of looking into processed foods. I've been kind of trying to avoid them. And I was going to try and do an all, like a no 
processed foods for all of August. But I do not think I can do that because of bread, because I do enjoy eating bread. So I'm just going to try and focus more on my fruits, my meats, try and avoid unhealthy stuff like gas station food, um, pops, candies, just unnecessary stuff. Even, sadly, goldfish, Ritz crackers, which I love. I mean, Chips Ahoy. Trying to avoid all those. So I've been maybe thinking about doing a segment on that, kind of doing some research, some investigation. Uh, we'll see about that because it is very good to know about you know, staying safe and staying healthy from all these chemicals and stuff. I mean, if you read the food labels on some of these foods, it is atrocious. And there's just canola oil, seed oils, sunflower seed oils, and just everything we eat. And it's all about being aware of that stuff. So that may be coming in the future. But I'll tell you what's coming in the present as we speak. It's UFC 291 recap. By I can't tell if I love preview shows or recap shows more. I, I think I love them both equally because UFC 291 I had so much fun with. I was not able to catch any prelim fights, but I caught every single main card fight. I did see a majority of the finishes. I saw Euros Medic's spinning back elbow, Roman Kopilov's head kick knockout, and Gabriel Bonfim's guillotine. Other than that, I'm just going off of everything else I've seen throughout the week. But every main card fight, I can indirectly, I mean, directly talk about. the. It's the prelims I'll be indirectly talking about. So, for the main card, we go 4-1 and one on our pick. So, very good. For the prelims, what I go unofficially, 1-1, 2-1, 2-2, 3-2. One I go 4-2 and two on my prelim picks, but those are unofficial. We are now 81-51. and 51. On the year for main card picks. All time, we are 451 and 328. That is the first number correct, second number incorrect. So, improving, doing very good. Four of the five main card fights got finishes. I mean, they all deserved finishes, but I mean, come on. I think Roman Kopilov could have gotten one, maybe even Gabriel Bonfim. And oddly enough, no fight in the night. If I would have given a fight into the night, I'd have probably said, oh, I guess there really wasn't a fight in the night, but nonetheless, let's dive in. All right, we start off the night, Miranda Maverick and Priscilla Cachuera. Miranda Maverick getting the round three armbar, and I mean, 10 of the 12 fights on this card were finishes, and we st whenever you start off with a finish, it's always good news. Miranda now improves to 14-5 and five professionally, and she goes 3-for-9 on takedowns just under 9 minutes of control time. So she was, she was clearly dominating this fight. And I heard that Priscilla tried to pull down her shorts in the fight. I, I don't know anything about that. But if so, Priscilla, very bad on you. And Priscilla now is... What is she? She's four and five in the UFC now. And with a brutal loss, we'll see where she goes from here. But Miranda Maverick getting a big win at women's flyweight. And she was thrown in and out of the bottom 15. Like the, the bottom three spots of the bottom 15. So I would love to see her get back in. Maybe a fight against Andrea Lee. Maybe uh, Tracy Cortez or someone like that. Amanda Hebus even. I, lo I love Miranda Maverick. So hopefully she can get back. As for Priscilla, keep up the bad antics, and you'll get fired. You're here from me, who definitely holds something in the UFC's uh, 
in the UFC's uh, decision-making process. All right. Next up, we had a welterweight fight between Euros Medic and Matthew Semmelsberger. And from what I can see, this was a very competitive fight. Euros now improves to 9-1, a little two-fight win streak in the UFC. Matthew Semmelsberger now on a two-fight losing streak, 1-3 his last four, unfortunately. But the tale of this fight is Matthew Semmelsberger with a round one knockdown. Euros Medic did land a takedown, but looks like Semmelsberger won round one. It looks like Medich outstruck him in round two. And then in round three, I did see Medich land a spinning back elbow. Drops him, lands some follow-up punches. Medich gets the finish. This is very tough for Matthew Semmelsberger. I mean, there was a time this guy was coming off a 16-second knockout of Jason Witt. He then got Chaos Williams, loses to him. But then he would win his next two, including a 15-second finish. Of Martin Sano. He was then sitting at four and one. He would drop a decision to Alex Morono, which was very close. He would then lose a no, he would then destroy Jake Matthews, just absolutely beat him. Lose a split decision to Jeremy Wells, then lose to Euros Medic here. Matthew Semmelsberger is just the definition of one of these welterweights outside of the top fifteen. That's just so good. Like you really have to beat him to get higher ranked guys. And I mean Euros Medic beat him, finishes him. And I don't know career-wise if all of his fights are finishes, but I know in the UFC he has now had three of his um, four fights have been finishes. The other one he was finished by Jalen Turner. So I don't know if this guy's ever been the distance, but Euros Medic, I believe he's 30 years old, could start a run in the welterweight division. So we'll see what's next for Euros Medic. Speaking of the welterweight division, we stay in it with our next one as Jake Matthews beats Darius Flowers. Round two, rear naked chokehold. Jake snapping a losing streak. Actually, he had lost to Matthew Semmelsberger last time out, so I guess not snapping, but picking up a win here for the Celtic kid. As for Darius Flowers, loses his UFC debut. I was hearing that Darius was doing some like fake, like he was getting fake rock, trying to throw stuff or something. Or was doing something weird during the fight. But I know he landed a takedown in round one. But then I don't know what happened in round two. If he got stuffed, then submitted. I don't know. I was busy. I was at the... Gosh, where was I actually? I can't remember where I was for the prelims. I was out. Oh, I was seeing the Barbie movie. I'm an idiot. I was seeing the Barbie movie. Then I went to Olive Garden for dinner. So I was busy for the prelims. But good for Jake Matthews. And I mean... How about Jake Matthews and Euros Medic? It's easy. They both just fought. They both got finishes. Why not? All right. Middleweight up next. Roman Kapilov with one of the best finishes on the card. Probably, gosh, probably the third. Probably the third best finish. Um, He knocks out Claudio Romero in round number two with just a nasty head kick. I mean, straight to the dome, sends him on his butt. And he landed like one or two follow-up punches. I mean, the fight could have been stopped right when Ribeiro fell. And this came after what I'm seeing is Ribeiro barely outstruck him in round one. More precise striking from Roman Kopilov. But round two, 33 seconds in, drops him, finishes him. And Roman Kopilov is now on a three-fight win streak. All finishes. I believe he's tied for second for longest finishing streak in the UFC. If you want to guess who's in first, he's a heavyweight. He's Russian. Sergey's, Sergey uh, um, Pavlovich on a six-fight round one knockout finish streak. That's insane. But uh, Roman Kopilov, 
on a finish streak. Last two wins, including this one. Round two knockouts with a head kick. So, very impressive from Roman Kopilov. I don't know if he's going to get someone ranked next. But, I mean, Andre Munez is coming off a loss. Roman's got some momentum. I say we could run that fight up. I would certainly be uh, be happy with that fight. As for Romero, I mean, it's been hit or miss. I mean, a big finish in, on the Contender Series. Then gets TKO in his debut. Then gets a big round two finish at UFC 288. Then gets finished in Salvador Rokopilov. So it's clearly live by the sword, die by the sword for Claudio Romero. But I like Claudio Romero. I don't know. He just looks he just looks like a really good fighter. But he got knocked out by Roman. I'm going to look past it, though, and hope he returns. But I'm very happy for Roman. He seems like a good, uh, good kid. And we move into our only flyweight fight of the evening as C.J. Vergara beats Vincius Salvador. Vincius Salvador. Ooh. But C.J. Vergara now moves to... What's his record of 12-4-1? He's on a two-fight win streak now, and the momentum is with him. Very happy uh, Vergara gets the win. His only losses are to Tatsuo Taera and Ode Osborne, so pretty good pretty good uh, losses, if I'm being honest. Those two are very talented people. It would appear that he just outstruck Vincius through all the rounds. I mean, nothing much to say here. I don't really see anything stat-wise that's sticking out to me. Sad that Salvador now is on a two-fight losing streak in the UFC. But there's nothing much to say. I mean, I have nothing to say for some of these fights. I, I catch myself just, like, stalling at points. But it's like, nothing happened. And I didn't watch it because it was on the prelims. So there's not much to say. Good win for Vergara. He'll move on in the flyweight division. And, I mean, could he fight any ranked flyweights? Maybe David Dork or Steve Ursig. Because why not? But let's move into our final prelim as we have a new contender at welterweight. That is Gabriel Bonfim as he beats Trevin Giles in a minute and 13 seconds by Gaethje Joke. I can't believe it. Gabriel Bonfim, 15-0, all finishes, and he gets his second guillotine choke in the UFC. 2-0 this year. Total fight time, just over two minutes. He is two minutes and two seconds of fight time through two UFC fights combined. I mean, just absolutely crazy for Bonfim. As for Giles, I mean, this sucks. This sucks. I mean, you're now two and three in your last five. Kind of sucks, but I mean, Bonfim's just so good. He called out Neil Magny. I love the call out. All right, because Wonderboy was saying, I'll fight Ian Gary or Jack Della Maddalena. So I say we have Jack Della Maddalena fight Wonderboy Thompson. You already got Ian Gary fighting uh, Jeff Neal. So this is perfect time for Neil Magny to take on Gabriel Bonfim. I'll remember that name. Impressive stuff from Bonfim. I love it. I love it. But but let's not stall anymore on the prelims. I always catch myself stalling on the prelims because I just don't want to get into the main card because I love talking about the main card because I watch every single main card. But I'm not going to stall anymore because we this main card was so good. Th this main card is why UFC 291 is in talks for top three event of the year. It could be the best. I still think that 290 and 285 were super good. Uh, looking back, this definitely passes 287. So this is within third or second for me. I just cannot get over how how good this card was. But kicking off the big card, we had Kevin Holland and Michael Chiesa. And you already know Kevin Holland got the performance bonus. 
for getting a dart stroke in 2 minutes and 39 seconds. And I could not believe that it was this predictable. Striking-wise, Holland just looked way better. Kiesa was not landing anything. And Kevin Holland only landed 12 total strikes. Nine significant. It looked, Kiesa was just on the retreat. He goes over 5 on takedowns. And Holland looked so good. He has a full-time wrestling coach. And you would not know that this man... I have to go. I'm stuttering right now because you would not know at one point Kevin Holland gave up 17 takedowns in two fights. I mean, this is a guy who was brutally outgrappled by Hamza Chimaev. Looks like he greatly improved from this. Actually, looked like he improved overall. And he submits Michael Kessa while he's shooting for a takedown. It was so predictable during the week leading up to it that everyone was like, all right, he's either going to knock Kessa out or catch him with a choke on the way in. And he does. And Kevin Holland is now ranked 12. Now, as for Michael Chiesa, I'll say he should probably retire if he does tend to stick around. He could be fine like someone like Gabriel Bonfi, an up and cover. So, I don't know what's left for Michael Chiesa, but for Kevin Holland, now ranked number 12, he was saying he wants to go to middleweight because he wants to have sex and like eat steak or something. I don't know what he was talking about. But I'll give two options. First off, Kelvin Gaslam and Shafkar Rachmanov, their fight fell apart. It was supposed to go down on September 16th at UFC Noche, which is like the Mexican night for them. So no, nothing for them. I could easily see him fighting Kevin Gaslam at 185. Or if he goes back to 185, I could see him rematching Brendan Allen. That could be a very good fight. But if he stays at Walter Waite, which I think he should, I really feel he could make a run. All right, He's sitting at 12. You have Ian Gary fighting up. So, I mean, he could easily fight Ian Gary after their next fight. If Vicente Luque wins or loses against Rafael Dos Anjos, I like Kevin Holland versus the winner of that. You got Sean Brady. Is Sean Brady fighting someone? I don't think he is. You could have Ian Gary, Kevin Holland fight. Um, Sean Brady, so many options for Kevin. But such a good way to open the main card. And he gets 50K. So, very happy for Kevin Holland. Whoo, moving in to the next fight. Bobby Green submits Tony Ferguson. Round three, arm triangle. And maybe he's hearing me sign goes, Zach, did you pick Tony? Heck no, I predict Bobby Green to knock him out. But on verdict, 78 XP boost if you predicted a, a submission from Bobby Green. There was like 48,000 48, XP reward. And you know me, I'm always, if you follow my um, predictions on there, I'm always slapping down some like random thing that will definitely not hit. And unfortunately, I didn't do it. But I'm happy Bobby Green won. Feel bad for Tony, but Tony got dominated. Oh my gosh. It looked like he actually landed a knockdown in round one. He actually officially didn't before he got poked in the eye. People were saying like that swung the whole momentum of the fight. I don't think it did because I mean Tony's eye looked fine right afterwards. But who am I to say? But I mean 137 significant strikes for Bobby Green to 54 for Tony Ferguson. 145 total strikes for Bobby Green. 62 for Tony Ferguson. Tony goes 0 for 3 on takedowns and is actually controlled for almost 3.5 minutes by Bobby Green. And Bobby Green just, just keeps setting records. 137 significant strikes, his third best. And this is now 
and I repeat his one, two, three, four, his fifth time surpassing 100 significant strikes in a three-round fight. That is so impressive to me. For Tony, he is now on a six-fight losing streak, been finished in four of those fights. He's been finished his last three fights, all in different rounds, though. He's never been finished in round one. He's been finished in round five, round four, round three, and round two. So I'm going to bet on a round one finish for Tony Ferguson next time he fights. If he does, if he even gets signed again, I mean, they should cut him. But I don't want him to come. I'm so torn on what to do with Tony. He should just hang it up. No one will be mad. It's just getting brutal. But uh, as for Bobby Green, he can fight anyone at lightweight. I like a Diego Ferreira. I like a Matt Frivola. I like a Renato Morcano. I like all the fights for Bobby Green. Um, it sucks to see Tony like this. But I was happy Bobby Green got the finish, man. And I predicted it, so I was happy. Anyways, moving on to... <sighs> What was going to be my favorite finish of the night as Derek Lewis finishes Marcos Angel de Lima knocks him out in 33 seconds. This was nuts. This was nuts. First off, Derek Lewis now has 14 knockouts, a UFC record surpassing Matt Brown. I couldn't believe it. So the, the fight kicks off. And obviously everyone's watching. But I know where Derek Lewis runs and lands a flying knee. I thought it was over there. And then just relentlessly lands punches on Marcos Rogeros de Lima. Marcos was covering up eventually. It was like, okay, if I leave my head open, my chin's going to get knocked out. 33 seconds, Derek Lewis finishes him. It has me so hyped. Like, 30 right now, I'm getting all hyped. It was, it was such an amazing finish. Whew, Derek Lewis, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. And it's just typical Derek fashion, you know. I mean, let's look at his losses. Sergei Spivak, Sergei Pavlovich, Tajivasa, Cyril Gant. Those are all of his losses since 2020. All those people are ranked number one, number two, number six, number seven. They're all top ten guys. And who has he beaten? The number 15-ranked guy, the number 14-ranked guy. He holds a win over the number 11-ranked guy. He's even beaten the number five, Curtis Blades, so... Derek Lewis and Torsey will knock out people that are lower than him in the rankings. Just no one higher. Very happy for Derek. I thought he, uh, I guess, I guess he didn't need to move up a spot. I guess he should stay below Halt and Almeida. But I'm very happy he was able to get a finish here. As for Marcos Rogeros de Lima, snaps his little two-fight winning streak. But he can suck it because I was so happy Derek Lewis got the finish. He then pulled off his pants, was running around the octagon. He was crotch chopping, saying he was going to make love to his wife. He was just so entertaining. Derek Lewis deserved his performance bonus for in the octagon and after the octagon. Derek Lewis, such a treasure. What do I want next for him? I don't know. Maybe another up and cover. I swear, if they give Derek Lewis, like, oh, they could do an Alexander Volkov rematch. I would like that. But um, maybe someone like Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Um, literally any up-and-comer. Anyone from Justin Taffa, Junior Taffa, Austin Lane, uh, Jake Collier. You got Waldo Cortez Acosta. You got so many up-and-coming heavyweights. None that are really making too big of an impact. I mean, besides like Justin Taffa, Austin Lane. I mean, Jake Collier notoriously is just so bad. I don't even know how he's in the UFC. 
But we'll see what the UFC decides to do next. Because Derek Lewis is actually a free agent. And I've been hearing people suggest he should go to the PFL and fight Francis Ngannou in a rematch for $2 million. I'm not going to say he should do that and then come back to the UFC, but I would pay for a pay-per-view to watch that because that sounds amazing. We'll see what goes down, though, but Derek Lewis, have yourself a night. I was, I cannot believe how hype I was at the Derek Lewis finish. It was so good. So good. But as always, not we rarely get a five-for-five five main card, and this was the one bummer. Alex Pajera and Jan Blachowicz. And it's not Alex Pajera's fault. It's Jan's fault. Because Jan decided to turn into Jan Magomedov. He decided to turn into a grappler. And that's why he lost the fight. And that's why um, he's now ranked number four. And Pajera is now ranked number three. And will probably be fighting Jury Prochaska for the vacant light heavyweight championship later in the year or early next year. As for Han, I don't know what's next for him. He he might have to retire or fight someone like the winner of Magomed and Johnny Walker. I don't even know. Nakia Krylov. I don't even know what to say for Han. But as far as the fight goes, this was the tale of the fight. Round one, four minutes and 50 seconds of control time for Han Blachowicz. One for three on takedowns. Just out grapple him from right when the match started. Pressures him against the cage. Takes him down. Jan Blachowicz wins round one. Could have been a 10-8. Could have been a 10-8. It didn't feel like a 10-8. It felt like a 10-9. But Jan clearly wins round one. The most dominant round of the fight. Round number two kicks off. Jan does land a takedown. Gets a minute and 57 seconds of control time. But Alex Pajera won on the feet. More significant strikes. Looked like he was dealing some damage with his punches. Jan was just trying to take him down. Alex wins round two. Round number three. Very, very close. Now, I will say this is very controversial. I had it 30-27. Jan Blahovich definitely biased because I picked him. But I feel like there was a case to give him that. Bavera does win the striking battle. Jan lands a takedown with like 45 seconds left. Gets 45 seconds of control time. Alex wins the split decision, and I do think it has to stem from the uh, post-fight because Jan was really sitting on the floor, dry heaving because of how exhausted he was, and Alex was walking around with his hands up. And honestly, this decision's best for business. Pajero winning, very happy for him. Surprises me again. Surprises me again because uh, I thought Sean Strickland would beat him. He didn't. Uh, I did predict him to beat Asanya the first time. The second time they fought... Uh, Adesanya did him dirty, and now Hyun's beating him. So, I clearly cannot pick an Alex Barrow fight correctly, as I'm, what, one for three on my picks for him, but very happy he gets the win. Definitely find Jerry next. As for Hyun Blahovich, I don't know, man. He's 40. Now on a little, uh... Actually, Han has just had a really weird string of luck ever since the Adesanya fight. He's lost the belt to Glover, dom- got dominated, wins an injury fight over Alexander Rakic, and it was a very close fight. I think Rakic was going to win that. Then chokes a fight against Magomed Ankalaev. I thought Magomed won the fight, and now drops a split decision to uh, Alex Pereira. So, who knows what's next for Blahovic, but as for Pereira, 
a title shot is looming and potentially a rematch, a, tr a third fight without a song, which would actually be their fifth fight, I think. So that is, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy in hindsight. Five fights if they fight again. Wow. No need to uh, stall any longer. Let's talk about the main event. Oh my goodness, I say it all the time. Oh my goodness, Justin Gaethje knocks out Dustin Poirier with a round two head kick. A minute into round two, it was so good. I leaped out of my seat, ran around my basement in a circle, ran upstairs, was yelling, oh my gosh, run around my kitchen. <laughs> the best knockout. Oh, I don't know if it's better than the Adesanya Pera one, but it's either top top two or top three. It was so good. And after a competitive round one, I will not lie, Dustin Poirier out. Oh no, Justin Gaethje outstriking Poirier in round one. Very competitive. But Gaethje surprises everyone with a head kick, knocks out the diamond in round two, gets the performance bonus, gets the BMF belt. Excellent stuff from Justin Gaethje. Tough loss for Poirier, but I'm not a Dustin Poirier fan, so he can actually suck it. I'm actually a Justin Gaethje fan because I thought Fazeev would dust him, and he ended up outclassing him, and now outclassing Poirier and finds himself on a little two-fight win streak. And now, since 2018, since his last loss to Dustin Poirier, he's now 7-3. and three. Only losses are to Habib and Charles Oliveira, two of the greatest lightweights of all time. And he just got a knockout of the year nominee. He's now ranked 13 in the men's pound-for-pound -pound rankings and is now number two at lightweight. Lots to do for Justin Gaethje, and he's now the BMF champion. He could maybe defend that belt against Conor McGregor if McGregor and Chandler don't fight. Um, personally, I, I would like McGregor versus Chandler in December. Then, depending on UFC 300, if they'd be okay not main eventing, you could do McGregor versus Gaethje for the BMF belt on that card, but I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Or that fight might not materialize, and Justin Gaethje could just fight the winner of Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira, especially Islam Makachev if Islam wins. Lots to do for him. As for Dustin, I don't know, man. This was a fun idea, but he got knocked out, and the only person I could think of him fighting next is either Matus Gamrod or Armin Tazukrian. I don't really know, man. I don't know if he's going to retire, but this night goes to Justin Gaethje, man. Such an amazing performance. He caps off an amazing event with an amazing finish. Whew. Justin Gaethje, man. Hits the signature backflip. A big one, too. Almost lands on Dustin Poirier on the come down. But that's all she wrote, folks. Justin Gaethje knocks out Dustin Poirier. Very solid. Four and one on picks. I should bet. No, I shouldn't. I'm actually very bad at uh, gambling and betting. I'm, I'm down bad in... Uh, like uh, prize picks, um, underdog, uh, even in uh, like blackjack. Uh, gosh, what's the other one? Baccarat. Baccarat, man. Such a hit or miss game at the casino. But hey, maybe my UFC picks could uh, give me some redemption. But that's all we got for UFC 291. We have one more thing to talk about for this podcast. But before we get into that, I'm going to take a little break. I'll be back in a second. So hold on. And we're back, like we never left, as always. And before we go, I just want to talk about something. 
on how to get into the UFC. So I primarily talk about UFC on here, uh, on my TikTok. I'm posting stuff on my Instagram stories. And I know there's a lot of people that are like, Zach, where do I start? How do, how do I become a fan? You know, I know who Conor McGregor is. That's all I know. Literally, that's all they know. So, how do you get started? How do you get started becoming a fan? Where do you begin? Well, go look up when the next event is, probably that Saturday, and watch it. Just watch it. Watch a couple fights, especially watch the main event. That's the biggest name you'll see on the card. And that's just how you start, just by watching it. Now, if you want to learn more about who's fighting, who these fighters are, go to ufcstats.com or ufcrankings.com. There you can see all the top fighters and their stats and who's fighting. And then you can compare them, which is what I do every single week. And make sure, very important, look at Instagram pages, look at Twitter. That's where you'll find clips of stuff, clips of big finishes and stuff. I mean, it's like any other sport. You just got to start watching it. Like, oh, where do I begin? Whatever's coming on next. I mean, because UFC is rare where you can go back and watch stuff. But, like, let's say you're like, oh, Zach, how do I get into football? Well, maybe play it, play some football, play the video game. I mean, I know playing UFC, EA Sports UFC, is where I first actually discovered UFC and why I like it. But for football, I mean, you just got to watch the recent games. Basketball, watch the recent games. But for UFC, you can watch past fights. Now, personally, I don't like going back too far. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, watch this classic fight from 2005. Well, those guys are maybe dead, maybe even like permanently injured. The, the footage is kind of grainy. No one wants to really see it. They want to see some newer fights, some names they might recognize. So I did make a list of some couple fights that I thought would be cool to uh, go over. But one tip I'll add, if you want to really become a real UFC fan is to watch the prelims. The prelims is where you find up-and-coming fighters. You may see surprising things that you never thought you would see on the main card, but you also may be disappointed, and you have to learn that, that sometimes fighters will technically strike. Just have a technical striking battle. Just jab, jab, punch, dodge. They might just go full-out grappling. You might just see one fighter out-grapple someone for 15 minutes. That's just a part of UFC. And you kind of have to learn that if you're going to become a fan. It's kind of, I kind of enjoy it since it really makes you appreciate the good fights. Like after watching Kyle Blahovich and Knox Behera, very boring fight. But then you get Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje, which was a beautiful fight. So without ado, I made a list of a lot of fights you should check out. If you're new to UFC and maybe you're looking for some old fights to watch, I got some, I got some for you, right? Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway from UFC 236 in 2019. A fight of the year candidate. This fight had everything. Just amazing striking, bloodiness. And when round five came around, Dustin came off the stool early, was standing in the middle of the ring telling Max Holloway to scrap. Max leaves his corner early. An absolute amazing fight. <laughs> Funny enough, this is one of the worst pay-per-views for buys, which is like, how much money it made. And this is due to it. This was like the first pay-per-view that moved to ESPN Plus. Because originally they used to be on like their own pay-per-view thing. But now they're on ESPN Plus. And no one was buying it because no one knew how to use it. So a hidden gem this is. If you're looking for a woman's fight, Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade won at UFC 237. 
An intense first two rounds with action-packed stuff leads to a round three head-slam finish from Jessica Andrade. And Women MMA, it's a part of UFC, and the fights can be secretly good, such as Zhang Weili versus Johanna Jeonjacek. At UFC 248, the greatest women's mixed martial arts fight of all time. One of the greatest fights, period. And even their rematch was entertaining. A nice knockout from Zhang Weili, if you want to watch that. That was at UFC 275, I believe, if I can remember correctly. Another good rivalry, if you want to check it out, is Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington. Both their fights, so amazing, especially the first one at UFC 245. The rematch was at UFC 269. These two hated each other, and two grapplers ended up striking. I mean, there was blood. There was big shots. There was fake nut shots. There was apparent early stoppages from um, Mark Goddard, I believe it was. So entertaining. And Aussie, as much as it is a stereotype, Conor McGregor fights are something to go back and rewatch. The Jose Aldo fight, which is who made him who he is. The Chad Mendes fight before that, very entertaining. Both Nate Diaz fights, iconic. The Eddie Alvarez fight, one of the greatest championship performances you will ever see. The Habib fight is honestly the most popular fight in UFC history. Like, I understand that UFC, um, oh, what, what, um... What number was that? UFC 229, it was, yes. The most pay-per-view buys of all time. It was like 2.4 million pay-per-view buys. But just on YouTube and stuff, it's the most watched fight of all time. And is the most entertaining? No, but it's the most popular. So you should probably watch that. And even his fight against Cowboys Cerrone, the Dustin Poirier fights, all entertaining. And Conor McGregor is still the biggest name in the UFC, which is just so impressive. <laughs> Um, what other fights could I tell you? Usman versus Masvidal, two, a very good one, a nasty knockout from Kamaru Usman. Uh, I would not watch the first fight. It was very good. It was not very good. It was UFC 251 on Fight Island, a grapple fest, a hugging fest from Kamaru Usman. But their second fight, a nasty knockout from Kamaru Usman. I recommend that one highly. That was at UFC 261, I believe. Adesanya versus Whitaker won at uh, UFC 243, also very good. I mean, this was when Adesanya first won the belt back in 2019. A nasty knockout, just so entertaining from Israel Adesanya. A hidden gem at UFC 275 is Glover Teixeira versus Jerry Prochaska. This is one of the greatest fights I've ever watched live. I was out of my seat. The hits were hard. The, just the amount of times they both almost finished each other. And the ending, just if you've never seen it, I will not spoil it for you. I mean, it's out there. You'll probably find out the result. But Jury Prochaska versus Glover Teixeira at UFC 275. Literally happened last year in um, June of 2022. It's the perfect fight. All right. And it was actually both of their worst performances. But imagine two of their worst nights turned into the best fight. Um, Two fighters that you can watch any. I mean, John Jones fights... He is the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. I do believe he has surpassed GSP. And George St. Pierre fights are fun. If you want to go back and rewatch those, I personally haven't seen any of them. But I've seen John Jones fights. And he is just a staple of what the UFC is. Make sure to check him out. He's fighting in November, so get all your research done. I mean, he's had some nasty finishes. Had a stale streak in 2019. 
but he's never lost. His one loss is a disqualification, which no one even considers his loss. And lastly, if you want to get in and you want to watch some entertaining fights, any Charles Oliveira fight since 2021 has been amazing. The Michael Chandler fight, the Justin Gaethje fight, the Dustin Poirier fight, all entertaining. Charles Oliveira, just entertaining in general. He's fighting Islam Makachev at UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi in October this year. So you best bet I will be paying attention to some of his old fights. But getting to the UFC, it's not that hard as people think, you know. You're going to be a casual when you start. All right, you're going to say some stupid things and maybe some experts. I don't really want to call myself an expert. I kind of am. Well, kind of be like, that's kind of a bad opinion, but it's just how it goes. Just make sure, follow the cards, kind of know. Pick a fighter every fight. People who say, oh, I'm just looking for a good fight. That's a lie. Pick one fighter you want to win and one you want to lose. That'll make it more entertaining. That's why I predict every single main card fight. And I made the prelims unofficial, so they don't matter against my record I keep to myself. That's why I'm such a big UFC fan. I just love UFC. And I was thinking that maybe we do an episode like this for uh, fantasy football, where we talk about how to get into fantasy football, actually dive in how to do that, like how to download apps and stuff. But I mean, for UFC, it's easy. You can just Google anything, watch anything. Very entertaining stuff. So yeah, that'll be a wrap on episode 10, our 10th episode of the Surprise Jab Podcast. Very happy for it that we've made it this far. I mean, we just got to keep pushing. Soon we'll be at maybe 25 episodes, 50, 100, maybe we'll get to 1,000 one day in like 20 years or something. Who knows? But yes, a little recap, Barbie and 8.3 out of 10. Loved Barbie, my second favorite movie of the year, I'll say. UFC 291, a 10 out of 10 event, definitely in the top three events of the year, could be number two even. How to get in the UFC, just start watching, simple as that. Loki's coming out October 6th, um, Magabadanka Live versus Johnny Walker going out at UFC 294. We're just going to go over everything we've talked about at this point, so I'll leave it at that going to be switching over um, sites I upload on, so I'm trying to work out that, so if anyone could help me out, I would greatly appreciate that, but thank you all for listening. I really do appreciate it. Have a blessed night, and stay surprised.